Welcome, dear listeners. This is the Dr. Metal Podcast, another surface where I try to spread my thoughts on metal culture, subculture, and its connections to art, religion, history, and mythology. My name is Janos Fejes, historian of religions and aesthetician from Hungary, with a PhD in literary and cultural studies. I am currently speaking to you from New York City, from the headquarters of drmetal.home.blog. Please look for the same name, Dr. Metal, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well for additional content. Please remember not to write it with a C, but with a K. Let us start today's episode. The second episode of current Near Eastern Bound trilogy is continued with a single record that covers an ancient Sumerian epic. The band is called Eridu and the record and the epic is also called as Lugalbanda. Strange names coming from a strange world that I wish to bring a bit closer to you today. Naturally, the introduction of the Munich-based band could not be complete without a short historical contextualization, thus we are starting to briefly answer the question who were the Sumerians? Our geographical arena is the southern part of present-day Iraq, in between the Idigna, more commonly known as Tigris, and the Buranuna or Euphrates rivers, laying northwest of the Persian Gulf, in the historical geographical territory known from ancient Greek as Mesopotamia. Sumerian people did not arrive there with spaceships, but migrated from either the north or the east during the 4th millennium BC. Cutting it brief, they started to build cities and developed irrigation. The Sumerians called themselves as the Blackheads or the Saggiga. Their contemporary name is coming from the titles originating from the Akkadian kings from circa 2300 BC. The king of the city of Agade or Akkad ruled in northern Mesopotamia and called the southern part as Shumer. The cities were founded on temple agriculture and never from the United States, although they shared the pantheon and most of their cultural features. Amongst the most important cities we find such as Eridu, Larsa, Shurupak, Sipar, Uruk, Ur, Kish, Nippur and Lagash. Ur, Uruk and Lagash had the power to force some kind of hegemony over the Sumerian cities that were later destroyed either by the Gutian nomads, the Akkadians or the Babylonians, erasing the independence of Sumer circa 1700 BC. The Sumerian cities, both religious and political power, were enumerated around the temple and the palace, ruling over the economy and the system of redistribution on the top with the priesthood and the king. Besides slaves, a layer of free people worked in all territories of the economy, including agriculture, craftsmanship and industries. Their polytheistic pantheon included functional gods. For example, Inanna was the goddess of fertility and war, Utu was the sun god, Nanna was the moon god, Enki the god of creation and wisdom, Enlil the god of winds and storms, etc. Their most well-known religious buildings were the ziggurats, Pyramid-like structures built of clay bricks made here. The ziggurats are a hype for UFO believers, even claiming the buildings to be landing strips for spaceships. The ziggurat of Nanna in Ur remained in the best condition, with some modern renovations as well. 
But instead of this, I would like to talk about another artifact coming from the city of Ur. The object, known as the Standard of Ur, was created around the middle of the 3rd millennium and consists of limestone, shells and lapis lazuli. It has two separate sides, one depicting the life during peace and the other during war. As in the coming paragraphs we are going to talk about a mythical war, thus here I would like to present a bit the war side. We can see on the top of the weapons of their age, the tanks of ancient Shumer, the four-wheeled war chariots that became quite important in the ancient Near East in the coming centuries, but there with two wheels. We can witness some phalanx like infantry units and events of the battle itself. In the topmost layer we meet the king and his defeated enemies. This artifact is a great example of Sumerian art and the atmosphere which accompanies Sumerian culture. If you wish to take a look on the original artifact you may see it presented in London in the galleries of the British Museum. Today's band's sole album is entitled as Lugalbanda, covering the story of the named hero, thus it is important to introduce it a little. First of all, we must be aware that we know it was written as a literary source. What is it so interesting in it? First of all, that it was written with one of the first writing systems of the world, known as cuneiform. Cuneiform, in its origin, had an economical nature with pictographic signs, later developed to a level of abstraction where it was fit for literature as well. The signs were carved into wet clay tablets by scribes, a separate layer of professionals, later dried to remain intact. The pictographic writing of uh, 3000 BC became the traditional cuneiform writing around 2500 BC that have to remain the masterpieces of ancient literature, for example the world-famous Gilgamesh epic or the Lugalbanda epic. The story is titled today by its protagonist telling about a war during what Enmerkar, the king of Uruk, conquered the city of Aratta. The city's king is unnamed in all volumes of the story. Lugalbanda has an important role during the war and has a speaking name. His name consists of two parts. Luga means king, while Banda means fierce or young. The war ends with the victory of Uruk becoming the favored city of the goddess Inanna. An episode should be highlighted when Lugalbanda becomes sick and lies down in a cave to die, but in his dream, the gods, Utu, Nanna and Inanna, heal him and instruct him. Lugalbanda eventually becomes the king of Uruk and has a son from the goddess Ninsun known as Gilgamesh. The other episodes and storylines are not important for us now. Germany's Eridu band was founded in 2017 in Munich. Their genre classification is between melodic black and death metal, but their lyrical program and the band's name, a Sumerian city mentioned above, would indicate to code them as Sumerian metal, becoming a kind of a parallel to Malakesh. The name list of the five-piece band is Ishkur for drums, Azak for guitars, Enki for vocals, Zaha for guitars again, Tumbaba for bass. Most of the stage names are gathering from Sumerian culture. Ishkur is a storm god, Azagor Asak is a demon, Enki is a god mentioned above, Zak is the odd one out as it is a Persian monster and Humbaba is the enemy of Gilgamesh in his epic. So with the stage names they are strengthening the sense of the time travel here. As a prelude or parallel to the band could be named the local band Gilgamesh, whereas Enki used to do vocals and Azak does them now. 
The band is also involved in Sumerian topics. Their debut album was released in 2014 under the title The Awakening, revolving around Mesopotamia too, but without a tight concept as Eridus. Their cover invokes the Titra hero. On the top of the ziggurat we see the duplicated sculpture found in the palace of Sargon II from the 8th century BC at Dur-Sharukim. The sculpture was identified earlier as Gilgamesh, today academics refer to it as Hero with a Lion. The album Lugal Banda of 2019 brings us to the story of Lugal Banda naturally. Before focusing on the lyrics we should take a moment to analyze the cover artwork which you can find on the internet easily. Let us see first of all the list of ancient art represented on the cover starting at 12 o'clock following clockwise. The first one is the Burnley Relief known as the Queen of the Night. It comes from Babylon from the 19th 18th centuries BC. The second one is a protective Lamashu spirit from Dur-Sharukin from the 8th century BC. Then comes King Ashurbanipal who hunts a lion there. It comes from Nineveh from 7th century BC. An Apkalu spirit, the next one from Nimrud of the 9th century, uh, similar ones can be seen on the episode's cover. There comes the hero and lion uh, picture or maybe Gilgamesh from Dur-Sharuk in 8th century BC. Then the god Ninurta fights the chaotic Enzu bird, once again from Nimrud from the 9th century. And last but not least, here we see another Apkalu spirit from Dur-Sharuk from the 8th century BC. As it is clear from the dates of the listed items, most of them come from the ages way after Sumerian culture's bloom, focusing mostly on Neo-Assyrian art. It raises the question, why would a Sumerian band use inspiration from later times? According to my opinion, the mythical creatures listed grasp best the ambience of Mesopotamian world that is quite important for the romanticizing mythological metal scene. Besides that, the yet found Sumerian art pieces are not that well known or are not that decorative as the Assyrian ones. With a glance of the cover the ancient feeling may reach all that is the purpose of an artwork, not necessarily interprets but gives a slight insight. The non-lyrical opening title clearly shows the path of the whole story, which city Uruk or Arata will be able to gain in Anna's favor. The result is of course obvious now as we speak of a text coming from Uruk making the king and Merkar the victor. The second song depicting the king himself starts with the words of the official English translation of the epic, somewhat underlining the proficiency of the band in their chosen topic. It is the speech of the king preparing for war, calling the gods such as Nergal or Enlil, who is the source of kingship and mainly the goddess Inanna. Before the campaign itself we get an impression of the life in Shumer. Slaves of Eridu enlist the suffering of the people living in Shumer. The theological, political, literary piece known as the Shumerian King List originates the institution of kingship from the sky, the god Enlil, who first sent down kingship to the city of Eridu. Thus to be a king is equal with the city of Eridu, one who seeks power should seek the original one. The result of the king's power is slavery and forced labor for the people. Of M. Merkar we know he managed lots of building constructions depicted in the third track, giving a deeper perspective for the story based on the simplicity of a good back or white and black. In the next song we meet with Lugal Banda through his own speech about his near-death experience in the cave, showing the despair of our hero. In the next song, that is entitled Herald of Heaven, Lugal Banda becomes the chosen one of the gods, speaking of his new strength and praises the gods in a way that imitates the original text. 
The song uh, that is accompanied by a video named Disastral Warfare presents the nature of warfare in an ancient Near Eastern context. Not only the soldiers fight on the ground, but their gods do it too in the skies. That army is the victorious, whose gods are more powerful. The closure Lugalbanda turns back to a historical-like account presenting Lugalbanda as a king of the first Uruk dynasty, becoming the successor of Enverkar, accompanied by his consort the goddess Ninsun, giving birth to their even more legendary song Gilgamesh. This hymn, praising Lugalbanda, reflects the cyclical nature of history, where during great dangers heroes always emerge. If we recall the messages of slaves of Eridu, then we see that the view on the development of history is always one-sided. Hopefully, the closing track shows the path for further releases, focusing on, for example, Gilgamesh in the same manner. The endeavor of Eridu is simply great. Although they come from a Germanic country, they do not tend to once again speak of their Viking heritage that is somewhat overrepresented in metal culture now, but they turn to something more exotic and thus fresh. It is really important for romantic mythological metal to explore these yet almost uncharted territories. According to my researches and studies, Mesopotamia is one of the least covered topics in metal lyrics. By the way, some kind of underquality cuneiform renaissance is going to emerge on the actuality of the new Nightwish album's comer, but I would not discuss it here and now. It is strange as many other exotic topics are present, but here with the mentioning of Mesopotamia, we see that the great question of mankind are the same. How to be favored by higher powers, how to become a hero, etc. These are just to highlight some. This may be an oversimplifying statement, but the yet popular scene of mythology related comic and fantasy interest of mass culture may strengthen my opinion. Next week, we pay a visit to the world of the Old Testament, not forgetting some of the yet represented phenomena of Egypt and Mesopotamia. Thank you for joining me in today's analysis and mental travel into the world of metal and its culture. Thank you for your attention and interest. If you wish to get instant notification about new episodes, please follow the podcast on Spotify or Anchor. Please remember to look for the different social media surfaces of Dr. Metal. Each and every one of those could be found in the Linktree link at the description of the podcast. There you can find contact info, etc. All feedback is appreciated. Thank you very much. Next time I will wait you back.